I've, I, yeah. I disagree. I think everyone needs a, a purpose. And you see it with re- retired people that, you know, they can't wait to retire and they retire. And then they think, what what do we do? And they, yeah, you know, but, they go back into work sometimes. Yeah, but, are we talking, are, but is it purpose, small p or capital P? Because I think people think that they need purpose. So I think people without a purpose could be the most dangerous people in the workplace. So, and, and let me explain. So if, if that's- Oh, I love this, Uh, should we kick us off? Yeah. How do I look? You look well, actually. You look really well. Is, are you still fasting? Are you still... Fell off the wagon a little bit. Yeah. Started the year on a 10 I noticed, actually, because you've just had two so biscuits. Like I know, yeah, you but had that no, but Because I was fasting yesterday. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I did 10 days in... I don't know if I mentioned what, 10 days? Yeah. Straight. 10 days of fasting? Can you eat a certain part? Oh, my night? Lord. How did There's you not no fall over and collapse? That is... The magic That's of... quite impressive, though. Yeah. How did you what feel? What was your first go-to food once you finished your fasting? Good question. Better question. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was a bit chaotic, actually, because I, I knew that I should just, like, sum it simple. So I was like, I'm going to be good. Alioli on toast. Hot hot toast, alioli. Oh, the flavours. Even now, it's like, I can... I, mm. And then I quickly ate that, and then there was some olives and feta in the fridge, and I was like, I've been thinking about them olives and feta. So then, and it just kind of then started to turn into this like, and I'm just like eating it. Like, oh, and then there's that other thing that I was thinking about. I've been thinking about like cake for six days. And then after about 20 minutes, I had it like, not loads, but like too many, too much stuff for that point. And then I just felt terrible. And I just sat there. Just like, oh. Was it literally cold turkey for 10 days? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. That is. Your body probably went into kind of crisis mode. It was, to be honest, I was so, I become so focused when I fast really focused even like when I play play badminton every week with my, with my friends and the, the weeks that I go when I'm fasted I tend to win yeah, and the weeks that I go that I'm not fasted I tend to lose do you want to be a bit further away from your mic by the way yeah <laughs> 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 um, sorry mate alright this is this is this is I go on about this all the time so it's finally found an opportunity yeah. to, but anyway yeah the fasting's going well thank you have yeah. you what, what did you lose after 10 days right other than Give, sanity. The scale said, the scale said <laughs> a stone. Right. But probably about three or four pounds of that would have just been because I had a completely empty stomach. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So probably in the region of like 10, 11 pounds, a pound a day, roughly, roughly speaking. So, Jesus. so did you have anything then? You must have had some sort of just like... Just water and uh, like black coffee. Black coffee. And that's mm. it. That's impressive. Wow. When you play badminton, you lose. Do you feel like your, your energy level has dropped though? Because obviously you've got nothing inside you. Um... There was, there was a moment when I was playing where I did kind of, for a moment, I thought, oh, I feel a bit... A bit wafty. Yeah, but then, you know, I pushed through it and I beat the other guy and that just, that was That's, like sustenance enough. Looking at his, at this fallen, <laughs> this fallen <laughs> And I stood upon his corpse and I it was like... I think I would just be too wafty and I think I probably would get hangry as well. Mm. It's quite yeah. impressive. So I, I did um, I, I did the London Marathon a couple of years back and I uh, decided to make the, uh, the conscious effort of doing all my runs on an empty stomach. So regardless of how long yeah. it was, yeah. 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 the furthest I got to was, it was a 22 mile training when I decided to do that with nothing in the stomach. Yeah. And you got to about mile 17 and you can just, you just feel yourself just mm. draining. draining. Like you just yeah. go lightheaded, you can't yeah. really... You, you got you lose focus. You yeah, just complete yeah. you out of it. So. Well, I, I prefer to run on an empty stomach as well uh, because I just find I think I get like you're right. Like it can take its toll, but I think by and large, it just you just you just more you just more with it. You know, yeah. what I mean? and then you're not getting stitches as much. You know, you're not carrying around all this. Like you just feel lighter. Don't you? Yeah. you just feel lighter. Yeah. I'm the same with swimming. Yeah. So I do swimming. I yeah. do the Great North Swim every year. Nice. Same thing. Yeah. Always do it on an empty mm. stomach. Yeah, it's better, it's better that way. Just I think so exercise in general on an empty stomach yeah, is... Mm. You agree? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like fasting. I, I I did it yesterday until dinner time, and then I'm doing it today until dinner time, mm. other than a white yeah. one too. Bless you. Doesn't look like it, does <laughs> it? But <laughs> that's you That's true. Yeah. 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 So, uh, why don't you do a... Why don't you do a... Do three days with me. I probably could do three days. Yeah, do it. Let, well, I'll do two days, and then we'll we'll build it up. Did you set off? My last question on this: Did you set off wanting to do ten days, or was it one of them where you get to five and think? No, I, I set off wanting to do ten days. Nice. And then you get to five, and you think halfway there, it's kind of going all right. And then, like by like day seven or eight, you think, oh god, 
when's this going to end? But you can't just break it then, can you? Yeah. You have to brief conversation with yourself. Well, no one's forcing me to do this. Like, I can just... But then you go, well, then eight days, like, why? Yeah, yeah. So I did well, do you not find time though, then, that when that you is... start eating again, because they always say, don't they, when you do something like that, that your body then goes into starvation mode. Yeah. Then the minute you start eating, it just yeah. goes, right, holy shit, I better just kind of get all this collected <laughs> up in case I don't get any again. Um, and then you just put it back on again. I've I found that that's not been the case for me. Right, so like cool. basically, like, la- I started doing alternate day fasting, like, about, about this time last year. Mm-hmm. And I basically fasted every other day so like 24, 36, 36 hours or whatever, you know, basically from bedtime, sleep again, wake up. So like, and I did that every other day for probably about 10 months, give or take, um, whilst exercising and stuff as well. Um, lost about five and a half stone, maybe like six. Um, and then put like a stone on over summer because I went on holiday and everything. And then I sort of fell off the bandwagon after the holiday because it obviously went away, was eating and came back and was just like, ah, fuck it, and just kept <laughs> eating. And that was like August. So from August till January, I didn't fast. I didn't do a whole lot of exercising and I didn't weigh myself or track my calories. Um, so the last time I weighed myself and then and the time I weighed myself before the 10 days, I was basically the same weight. So, so somehow by fasting, it's just like made me more less likely to overeat or more conscious mm. of like mm. what I, I, I like I don't know it does just, sh- shrink your stomach maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. it's just I just noticed that it's changed my eating habits you know mm. yeah. so because obviously when, I, when I'm not fasting and stuff then I'm like panicking because I'm thinking I'm going to fall into, back into old habits and and I put in so much effort like because it's it's pretty hard to control yourself to like fast every other day mm. and I did it you know, and even was slimmer than this at one point, like, as I look back at some videos and you think, mate, like, it could just so easily just all, like, get out of control. But somehow, you know, it's quite impressive, that. Mm. Yeah, it is. Well, I'm going to try and segue from fasting into uh, (laughs) colleague engagement, so, and fail. But, uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast, Michelle and Dan. Hi. Thank you. Welcome, yeah. And we Thank brought you biscuits for, for the occasion. Yeah. Very nice biscuits. Well, Zach is already eating them. So. Yeah. Well, Lovely. So, <laughs> suit yourself. I don't know, does, <laughs> does one of you want to take the lead then on your organisation, what it is that you do and how you help other businesses? Yeah, sure. So um, I set up Pro Development uh, nearly 13 years ago in September, mm-hmm. and it was primarily to help work with businesses across Yorkshire and the Humber. So we, we stay kind of fairly close to home, helping them with... Um, colleague engagement and development so really sort of focusing on helping them to keep their talent you know how do they retain their talent recruitment's an absolute nightmare at the moment so really making sure that the good people that they get in they keep them they develop them they help them to be the best they can be Mm. and so we offer a whole range of things from colleague engagement surveys to leadership and management development team building people development and coaching and anything really in that thing and mainly small medium-sized businesses in the region okay. so yeah love it i love it so how did you find yourself in this field of work then? i've is- always sort of been in that field of work but i was working the last few years i was working for a big global company and probably found myself the most disengaged i'd ever been right so just really didn't enjoy working for a big global company yeah, didn't yeah. feel like i was well interestingly i was doing a coaching qualification at the time while i was there and as part of that I got a coach to work with and we did some kind of work on me and what was important to me and what kept coming was making a difference and I had that kind of hallelujah moment of oh this is why I'm not really engaged yeah, here because yeah. I'm I'm just not making a difference so just decided on a complete wing and a prayer that I would um set up my own business didn't have a clue what I was doing and how did that go uh, it was funny. years ago it's <laughs> funny I was laughing we were talking about it the other day I can still remember sitting I had an office at the back of my garage and I remember sitting at this computer thinking all right now what do I do? <laughs> and then somebody said, you need a website. And I was like, oh, right, okay. And we built a website. And I can remember sat there thinking, great, day launch, 
Phone's going to start ringing, of course, <laughs> completely delusional. Um, and then I just started net going out networking and meeting yeah. lots of people. And yeah, fast forward 13 years now, there's a team of 11 of us and we're Brilliant. kind of working all over the region, helping fab businesses. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of a journey. Been a journey. <laughs> a bit of a journey. And uh, over those 13 years, obviously, I'm trying to think, you, you've had a pandemic in the middle. Oh, yeah. So, so what, how has, how has engagement changed over the last 13 years? Yeah, quite, I would say quite significantly, particularly I think COVID has been the main game changer for for engagement, colleague engagement. Stuff that probably wasn't as important to people seems to be far more important to people now. So we were chatting the other day and one of the things that we keep seeing in our surveys and is coming through in a lot of research is sense of purpose. Mm. So I don't think I've ever seen that as much pre-COVID as what we see now, that that is so important to people that they feel they've got that sense of purpose. But I guess when you think about it logically, we all pretty much were told that, you know, we were on our way out and if we kind of left our homes, we were safe and we've never experienced anything like that before in our lifetime so I guess then that suddenly thinking more deeply about what is this all about what am I here to do we saw a lot of people come out of the of the workplace Mm, so lots of people decided right this isn't for me anymore lots of people moved said actually my company worked great and you know didn't support me so um I'm off um so suddenly the, that's made a, a big change in terms of all the issues around recruitment. But also I think people are looking for that sense of purpose in their businesses. Mm. And a lot of the businesses that we work with, they don't make that clear enough to people. They don't really let them know, mm. you know, this is kind of what you, you know, what you've, the difference that you can make and the sense of purpose we can offer. So I was talking to somebody recently who does um, holiday lets and he, we were talking a bit about you know the famous NASA story of uh, the the cleaner who was like you know I, I helped man get to the moon and yeah, yeah. I always think that's like a utopia isn't it is people being able to connect to that yeah. and he was like well it's alright if you're NASA isn't it you know that's a great mission to have people but is, we just do holiday lets and I was like yeah, well that's not really inspiring is it saying we just do holiday lets but actually what you're doing is creating memories for families and people you know that they'll look back on in years to come and he could see like a bit of a light bulb go on for him. I right, yeah, because that's the difference, isn't it, between yeah. somebody then being really engaged in cleaning that cottage mm. as opposed to somebody who's just I'm just a cleaner cleaning this cottage. Mm. So it's that sense of purpose, I think, definitely, and then of course flexibility. Yeah, COVID is a long term thing. Into elevating the rooms, work life balance. People got gone from working at home over COVID to then going back into the office, and that's. Uh, don't work for everyone, does it? It's mm-hmm. you know, the younger generation. They're looking. They're a lot more stern. And we're having a conversation as well about your your two young boys. Mm. So your Michelle's two young boys have the mentality of well, why are you working past five o'clock? <laughs> you know, you don't get paid past five o'clock. So why are you doing it? I want to go home. And that's it's, it's worked into the, the the work from home balance as well. People are getting better packages saying you can work from home two three days a week, and that's it's a game changer compared to people who are still stuck in the old of. Oh, we were doing this before COVID and it worked. Mm-hmm. We want to get back to that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden people are disengaged again because they 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 enjoyed working from home. They enjoy taking a dog out for a walk to, to kind of get that break and fresh air. Yeah. So it's yeah, I, I completely agree. Here we with go. That. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've opened it up now, haven't we? Yeah, so. there we go. Contention. Yeah. Go on, Ed. Yeah. Well, I think it's I've seen in the news a lot. There's a lot of lot of businesses that are getting back to the office and encouraging mm-hmm. to start with encouraging maybe now dictating that people do get back to the office. Is that something that you're seeing when you speak to businesses or not? It's, it's a real mix. And I think this is what's really fascinating. It is, feels like at the moment it's a bit of a perfect storm with this kind of stuff. So we're finding, we had some businesses pre-COVID who were basically saying, I oh, can't have people working from home. They'll be doing the washing and watching mm. Jeremy Kyle. And you just think, really? Mm. But mm. you know that that isn't actually what happens in the main. Most people do far more and are far more productive at home than they are at work. So I think COVID really obviously demonstrated that and, and gave the evidence that actually, yeah, we can make this work. So what and what we're now seeing is you've either got probably about a third of people are saying, right, we want you all back in the office, like you were saying. Mm. And then people are a bit like, all oh, right, what do you not trust us now? You know, we were doing great. And actually now he's saying you don't trust us to work from home anymore. So the trust thing, which is really significant in engagement, mm. you know, if you break that trust element, you kind of, you're on a bit of a rocky road, really. So we're seeing some of that, um, 
where people are being asked to come back and they don't want to come back. Mm. And we've got others where they've been asked to come back or asked to continue to stay working at home, but actually want to be in. Mm. <laughs> they yeah, don't like we, working we from that. home. Yeah, we see that. Um, so there's got to be, I think that for me personally, I think you can't dictate one or the other. You kind of got to have some flexible approach. It isn't one size fits all. Mm. Somebody mm. might want to be in, somebody else might want to be at home. One of our clients has done something called smart working. And I think that's been really successful for them because it's been, it's not saying we want you in two days a week or, you know, you've got to work from home this or be in that. They've said there are certain activities in the business mm-hmm. that definitely lend themselves better to being together collectively. So let's decide and determine what those are. And there's no kind of, oh, because otherwise you end up with half the people dialing in, half the people in the office. Yeah. And then people get a bit like, well, why are they not coming in? Mm, you know, yeah. we, we've, all made the effort to come in so they've kind of put some kind of boundaries around that and that seems to be working really well and I think that's um, a good approach to take is find find the way that works for you that works for everybody But don't dictate too much about, you know, what, why are we saying three days a week or two days a week? Everybody's got to be in. Mm. Like, where's that coming from? What's what's the kind of remit? Or Yeah, I think it's small steps to get people back in and yeah, rather than yeah. go from, yeah, everyone's working from home. Everyone needs to be in. I, I think businesses are kind of breaking that down and slowly encouraging yeah. that. I'm, I'm, we disagree, obviously, on, on many things. <laughs> not, not <everything. laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of an office first person i love being around my team i love mm. and we work in technology so a lot of our challenge is is communication and it's when you're building software it's you, you're trying to build something which is just in somebody's head a lot of the time and mm. so it's how do you get that out of somebody's head in, onto paper and then ultimately into code and into software mm-hmm. and that comes down to great communication and how do you have great communication? Well, for me, it's stood next to somebody with a whiteboard and drawing stuff out and communicating and always with language. the whiteboard. It is. Yeah, I love a whiteboard. Maybe, maybe it depends on like what sort of uh, industry you work in as well, though. Yeah, you know, because even in this building, there are there are definitely certain departments that like working from home is not really. Well, there's jobs that you physically can't. So if you work mm. in a factory and you're working yeah, on the yeah. line, yeah. then you physically can't work from yeah. home. So, yeah. But then it's the the. the the best businesses who have the top engagement at that point identify that and then they can go, well, okay, so we can't let you work from home, but you know, they might, the sales department, they might have a little bit more flexibility. They might be a little bit more remote because they're going out to clients, but mm. they know full well that their, their product line can't do that. Yeah. So they need to think of something different to kind of engage them. Mm. And okay, you can't do that because these are the reasons why and communicate, which I'm sure will, communication will come up later on, mm. but it's thinking of outside the box to ensure that they've got something that the sales team hasn't got. And, and that's yeah, kind yeah. of how to, to get the best out of it. It's finding, that. isn't it, that what's the flexibility for somebody? So we, I was talking to a guy the other day and he was saying, you know, we've always opened on a Saturday and we always expected all our mm. guys who were like the mechanics to be on a Saturday. And actually we realised we didn't need to be open on a Saturday and actually giving that mm. Saturday back to people was mm. really important. So mm. it's about people thinking a bit differently, I think, isn't it? And mm. then looking at, right, okay, so we do need them in this, you know, factory because that's what they do, but actually how can we be a bit more flexible? And mm. my big thing when I set up the business was I never ever wanted anybody to miss like a school play or a, you know, really important family things. Cause at the end of the day, there's that's what's important mm. yeah. to people. So, you know, making sure that you've got enough flexibility to give people that, work-life balance because I think that's all we're after isn't it all mm. of us we just want a bit of work-life balance yeah um, for sure and and a bit of connection so I come completely with you on that when you collaborate and I think there is something that it's interesting after COVID they were talking about the great resignation weren't they all these people like leaving and coming out of the workplace now they're talking about the great disconnection that people mm. are getting quite disconnected and I think it's that struggle to collaborate on things when you're all working kind of distantly from each other. So I think, again, finding those ways to collaborate together face to face, I think is really important. Yeah. And I do think it's come full circle. I've interviewed various people over the last six months where they've said, oh, is it, is it work from home or in the office? And I say, well, a bit, bit of hybrid, but you know, we like people in the office and you know, is that, is that a problem? And the response I've had a few times is no, I, I, I don't want to be sat in my bedroom anymore in front mm. of a laptop you know i want to get in the office and be with people yeah, yeah. yeah which, which is fair yeah. which is fair because i think for me like obviously i like the flexibility to, to hybrid work but yeah i you know i don't want it to be every, every day mm. and it, it, it'll come in bouts you know what i mean sometimes it's more convenient to work from home because yeah know, maybe the kids are ill or whatever you know so like could i see myself working fully remotely i, I don't really know emmy was telling me about a guy that she was talking to 
who worked from home and he needed to create sort of a distinction, a feeling of, mm. of distinction from working at home, like, and, and then actually being at home. So like every morning- You put a suit and tie on. It, it would get dressed, yeah, yeah. put shoes on, go for a walk, walk around the block, yeah, yeah. and come into his front door as so he was arriving at work. And then when he finished, he would do the same. Yeah, yeah. We've recommended that. So it's I mean, really, yeah, well, interestingly, I was reading um, something I wrote in just after COVID. Um, somebody had asked for top tips, you know, and how to kind of work remotely. And that was one of the ones I yeah, put in there, you know, yeah. to actually find a way to distinguish, yeah. you know, a way that you are not working or you're coming into work. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually one of them is just go for a little walk around the block before yeah. before your day or... Which is, yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. Like, I does that, do you think that actually works? Like, yeah, definitely. Like, so definitely. I used to, I used to a lot with it. So I used to work from home um, all the time. So I used to, because I used to live further down south and the business was based up north. So, yeah. But it was, it was a, sale, a pure sales role. So I was doing a lot of client meetings, but because it was over COVID, everything was face, it was over Teams rather than face to face. So he wasn't getting out. Um, and I realized what I was doing is at the end of the day, because I was kind of still, and I had a setup in my lounge. So yeah. I finished work and I ended up sitting on a sofa, which is literally like mm. inches away from where I was working. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't switch off at night. So then I had loads of arguments with my partner because she's like, oh, you're always working. You're on my, on my phone responding to emails because you haven't got that time to switch off what you have from a commute or from an office mm. or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, so <laughs> what I had to do is I had to wake up and I, I had to put a shirt and tie on. I had to do it. I had to feel like I was going into the office to try and actually get that sense of, okay, I'm traveling to work. Mm. And as soon as I finished, I put my laptop, I closed my laptop down. I went upstairs. Put on something comfy, put a pair of tracky bottoms on, chuck the shirt off, really happy, got out for some runs, a run or exercise yeah, on the bike yeah. or something. And then kind of like I had to completely shut my phone off completely. Because even though I'm still going with that routine of setting down, yeah. I still, I'm still i still in my workplace. I yeah, had to sure. make that conscious effort of I'm not touching my phone tonight. Yeah. Like, to the point where I had to buy a separate phone to be able to then say, that's my work phone and I'm not touching that anymore. Right, yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. but the, the routine is so important, I think. Yeah. It's, yeah. So she, and that's that's the perks of what, what you're going for is you know it is hybrid you know I like mm. I like being in there I like getting the communication there's more to that as well it's, mm. if they're in the office they're going to have 35 minutes you know half hour commute back where they can kind yeah. of reflect on their day I have 25 yeah, minutes yeah. here 25 minutes home and it's perfect so I can yeah, 25 yeah. minutes just to start to tune into what's going on in the day 25 minutes to reflect a little bit. And then I'm home and I'm with the kids. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think should it's... shut off as much yeah. more than I should. But <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, so Dan, introduce yourself. So you've been with the, the business for three or four months. Is that right? Uh, coming into the fifth month, I yeah. think. Okay, yeah, it's flown by. I feel like I've been here right. quite a while actually. But, <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I joined the business to to help out Michelle for the long term plans of kind of replacing Michelle so she can then jet off around the world in retirement. And, <laughs> live a great plan. life nice yeah. idea yeah that's the plan <laughs> like it um so yeah but my background's sales and marketing so I, i've been in that sort of industry um working in the corporate world similar to what michelle did that sort of initially you're there didn't like it just felt like a number mm. um entered the world of recruitment and realized that there's i've got i love helping businesses with their problems and that's kind of how i met michelle i um tried to to kind of sell a service to her initially to say oh we can help you replace your your lost talent um, and we kind of just clicked instantly. Mm. Um, ended up being what uh, meant to be an hour meeting turned into like a three hour meeting. Um, always bumped into each other around York and things. So kind of then it was, you, you had a bad experience with a certain, indiv- with a with mm. placement, didn't you? So, and then it kind of like just aligned at that point where I had the opportunity, opportunity. to join and help businesses retain the talent, mm. um, but also get people engaged. Cause I've, I've, everyone's been in that position where they've been in a job that they don't necessarily enjoy and they, they dread on a Sunday night where you've had a really nice weekend and yeah. gets to six o'clock on a Sunday night. Oh, I've got work in the morning. I've got to go to the office or I've got to be on this call or whatever. So, you know, everyone's had that manager that they don't like working for that they've left because of, you know, it's, it's quite a, quite a common thing really. I mean, mm. I think it's 62% of people leave because of a manager, which yeah. is crazy yeah. stats, but wow. yeah. So yeah, I, I then yeah. took this role on to help Michelle spread the word of how to improve that. So people aren't in that situation because there's nothing worse. Mm. So, but absolutely loving it. So do you, do you think that's the biggest kind of driver of engagement in terms of the, the management and the capability of the management tier within an organization? It's a big contributing factor, I think, yeah, isn't huge, it? So yeah. it's a, uh, yeah, well, the research is carried out by McKinsey and things like that. It's it, it tends to pop up quite often. So, mm-hmm. like I said, sixty-two percent of the people are leaving roles because of incompetent managers or just because they don't like the manager, and mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest stat you're going to get in why people leave their job. Yeah. Um. 
So yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah, it's- and I think leaders and managers have got such a massive uh, responsibility, but also an impact they can have mm. on people's engagement. When you look at, we do staff, you know, like colleague surveys, mm. it covers such a raft of areas, but actually managers have got nearly on every single area, they've got some impact, whether it's on communication, whether it's on how valued somebody feels, whether it's on the culture, whether it's on the team, you know, whether it's on the vision and the values, there's so many different parts that leaders have got to mm. play in that. So if you've got either a leadership team who are just feeling really uninspired or they, they've never had any development i mean Mm. i was reading a stat recently that was saying that only we work primarily with small medium-sized businesses only 17 percent of small and medium-sized businesses invest in leadership Mm. and management development so you know you've got what we always call the accidental managers they're probably people i was chatting to a a lovely client we worked with for over 10 years only yesterday and they they've got people that have worked with them for the years and they really love them they really value them but so what they've done is they've promoted them to managers. Now they've been great. They've been developing them. But actually what we see is people just don't do that. And mm. then you end up with, you've lost your best salesperson and ended up with your worst manager. Yeah. But not for any fault of theirs or the companies. It's just that they haven't developed them or given them those opportunities. Or, or I think people also don't see that. I think we're trying to encourage our businesses to think two career routes. Because some, particularly like in your industry, some technical people are really brilliant. They're really brilliant experts and really great technically, but just probably not really managing isn't maybe their thing. So actually give a career opportunity and make a career path for people that's a technical one, whether that's engineering, IT, whatever it is, and then have another one, which is for managing people because Mm. everybody thinks they have to manage people to get on in the company. And actually it's just not for everybody and that's fine. You're you're so right. We had that challenge at a previous company. It was, you know, great technical people wanted to progress they mm. wanted to get promoted and re- the the level above them if you like was a manager and it's, yeah yeah but some of them you look at and you think you're a great technical person but you're not a manager oh, i remember people you don't always enjoy it though, no no, no, like, no being in charge of people it's quite a large responsibility yeah, yeah. carrying a lot of accountability and so i think for some people it's just i remember years ago working with a construction company and they had a director and they, the guy, the managing director said we've just created a monster <laughs> in this director because he shouldn't be let loose with people <laughs> he's brilliant he's an absolute expert but we've given him this role and he's just yeah. a disaster yeah so yeah, it's it's play to people's strengths, isn't it? I guess that's the key. It's the personal element to that as well. So I saw something on the, a quote on LinkedIn, which kind of blew my mind. Of um, your manager or your line managers are, are just as influential on your on your mental health, for example, as as a therapist is. You're spending so much time with them as a mm. as a manager. They can have such an impact if they're quite not as supportive as they could be. Then your whole mental health is going to have, have an impact mm. on yeah. that. So yeah. it's, they're they're the key to that as well. You're spending 40, 50 hours a week with them. So that's quite mm. important. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. And that's quite a responsibility for the manager potentially as well. Yeah. Like yeah they yeah. may not even be, well, they may not have signed up for or they're not aware that that's happening. Because mm. like, I think generally speaking, this is another, this is why hybrid's important. Because <laughs> we need time apart. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's also like a relationship. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, is. it is. Because it, really, if you think about it, if we're in the office every day, like, I would see you more than I'd see my own family. I know, you were very fortunate. That's, <laughs> that's outrageous. Seen this. Do you want to just move in with me? Um, I went from home, so <laughs> that would be easy. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, man. I think this whole engagement thing, though, like, there's a lot, we're talking about COVID and stuff like that. I sort of feel like it's also just like times are changing. We live in a different era now. I don't know if like social media has 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 affected this, whether in a, in a good way or a bad way, mm. but I certainly do feel like as we become a more comfortable more comfortable as a society, we have less kind of need or and needs to be fulfilled and stuff like that. Like we do kind of have the time to like because I'm I'm guessing like our grandparents, for example, couldn't sit around and think, what's my purpose in life? Mm. Like my purpose in life is to make sure that my family you know survive a war mm. or like whatever and that's in this country so like if you take that to a global level so the for me there's definitely something there where it's like well once human beings i guess get to a certain quality of life Mm. they then have the you know maybe it's a first world problem right they then have the the freedom to sit back and think well actually what is my purpose and i think actually we act in society now there's like an obsession with having a purpose Mm. and i think just like the man like not everyone's called to be a manager Mm. like not everyone wants a purpose, right? 
They're not everyone wants some grand thing. They feel like they they, they should have one mm. because that's what they're seeing. Like everywhere they look, like society and social media, whatever, is like cramming it down your throat that like you know if. It, you know, if you haven't achieved X, Y, or Z, you're nothing. And it's like, yeah, yeah. so people then feel like, well, I don't want to be nothing, but at the same time, I don't really want a purpose. So like, what do I kind of do? Yeah. And just to end my little tangent, it reminds me of, um, there's an there's an animated series on Netflix called Carol and the End of the World. And basically it's about this meteor called Kepler B. And it's like, it's it's gonna it's coming towards Earth. Like you can see it in the sky every day. Everyone knows the world is going to end. And a large majority of people just boozing, sleeping with strangers, walking around naked. They're just like, right, the world's going to end. I'm just going to enjoy myself and do everything that I was too scared to do. Mm. But then you've got people who just like, they're just not that type of person. They're quite reserved. Probably all people because you love wearing <laughs> <laughs> So they, they stumble across this business that's still running. It's called, the, the, the business is called The Distraction. And it's for people who just want a sense of normality in these like yeah, final yeah. days. So they go to this office and they just work in this office they don't even know what the work is that they're doing, mm. but it's just like they have routine, they have like work friends and stuff like that. It's very interesting. Mm. I'm saying you should give it a watch. But yeah, yeah. I, I, awesome. I, I disagree. I think everyone needs a, a purpose. And you see it with re- retired people that, you know, they can't wait to retire and they retire. And then they think, what what do we do? And they, yeah, but, they go back into work sometimes. Yeah, but, are we talking, are, but is it purpose, small P or capital P? Because I think people think that they need purpose so i think people without a purpose could be the most dangerous people in the workplace so and, and let me explain so if, if that when we do um uh, when we look at engagement we look at three categories we've got engaged yeah neither engaged disengaged and then we've got actively disengaged pretty much yeah so the ones that haven't got a purpose, they would fill in the need for that middle category. So neither disengaged or engaged. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Satisfied, I think we call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, they fit in a satisfied category. So if they spend a little bit of time with someone who's actively disengaged, they're naturally going to go into actively disengaged because they haven't got a purpose. And that could be the purpose of, you know, aligned with the company purpose or aligned with they're doing a role that actually excites them or, you know, it, it ticks all the boxes. So for me, you know, I, I'm quite an ambitious person. So if I got a job that really didn't tick all of that, didn't give me the accountability to do that, I'm going to be sat there in the middle. I'm mm-hmm. going to spend five, 10 minutes with someone who's actively disengaged because right. I haven't got that purpose of, of my own sense of belief. I'm going to become actively disengaged. And before you know it, that's two people who actually be disengaged. You're going to end up having that herd mentality eventually. And you get more people falling in satisfied. They're going to become actively disengaged. So if it's, it's a real dangerous spot, really. I call it, the, we do a, a workshop every month it's where we can get businesses up to York. We talk about the whole element of engagement and that satisfied, neither disengaged or engaged, that's a danger zone. And everyone who fits in that, that area, it, they tend to not have a purpose mm. and they, or they don't know what their purpose is. Mm. So therefore they're doing the wrong thing. Mm. So they're just in the wrong role for themselves. So I think everyone should have a purpose, but it might not, it's never going to be the same. Your purpose is going to be very different to mine. Um, that's not saying we're not as ambitious as, as each other, but you know, if we, have, if we haven't got our purpose and we wouldn't be doing things on a day-to-day basis that genuinely make us happy, what would make you happy if you didn't know your purpose? Mm. I mean, mine is, you know, like my purpose is to kind of help, like I said, I've taken this role on because I want to help spread the word about how to keep employees happy. Mm. You know, that's how that improves productivity. It helps businesses grow. I love business. Mm. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Always find myself reading the times and the financial times because I'm just fascinated by it. Um, so that's my purpose. I want to help people mm. grow. Yeah. So some, some, that's some people's purpose might just be to go to work and earn a salary and then go home and spend time with kids. Sure. And that, that's all right. Yeah. yeah uh, listen, I guess like, and, and everything that you just said, I think spot on makes a lot of sense. For me, it's like using purpose. It's like, it's like, it's like saying career, right? It's like the, the, the words have been sort of bastardized in a way, yeah, yeah. you know, and overused. Mm. Everyone's got to have a career. We've all mm. got a career. Well, actually most of us, don't really have careers, right? Because a career in in the realest term is the thing I would do, even if no one paid me to do it. Like the, the, the thing that you like, vocation, do you know what I mean? Mm. The thing that you're destined to do, yeah. that's bit career, right? These words, they're important, like they're to be used in certain situations, right? 
purpose. Mm. Like purpose is a real thing. I, I certainly agree because I've had this conversation with my kids. I've got two boys who are 24 and uh, 20. And the 24-year-old, for, for a long time, really didn't know what he wanted to do. And mm. he was really stressing about it. Yeah, yeah. That same thing, you know, it rammed down the throat. You've got to have, go to university, have a career, do this. Do, and he didn't. And he was really floating around. But he was really, really unhappy. And I just kept mm. saying to him, just don't worry about it. You know, you might not ever. Mm. You know, some people never find what they're meant to be doing in the world I feel like I was really lucky because I just completely by accident got Mm. the opportunity to train I worked in um, an IT department and actually got the opportunity to train some people on a system Mm. and I just thought this is what I love I love knowing I've got some knowledge and helping somebody else Mm. so I was just really lucky I found that and that's when I realised the light bulb for me went on this is what I'm meant to do in life I've just got a really great ability to be able to communicate things in a way that makes it simple for people Mm. Um, me again okay I want to talk about another process that we often get asked to automate which is the processing of sales orders so Think about a sales order coming to an organization. Often it's in a PDF or attached to an email. We're using capture technology to extract the information from that sales order. We're checking what products are on there. We're matching it up against a database to say, do these products exist? We're checking the customer name to say, does this customer exist? We might even check the pricing to make sure the pricing is accurate. If all of that matches, then again, we could just push it straight into an ERP system or a finance system and nobody has to touch it. If there are issues with it, if there are things that don't quite match, we just push that to somebody to manually review and check. But ultimately, again, we're pushing it into an ERP or finance system. It's all about making your life easier. It's about making your team's life easier. And it's about getting cash into your organization quicker and more efficiently. Hopefully that sounds good. If it does, then get in touch. Let's have a coffee and a chat. Enough from me. Back to the podcast. So is there anything you'd rather, is there anything you'd rather do that you'd love to do? Not really. I think no. I've been really. I mean, I always, I always wanted to be an actress. There we go. That's your purpose. <laughs> there, there we go. go. How easy was that? Alan, she couldn't even resist. She knew. She knew all the things happening. She fell straight into the shop. Only thirty it. minutes, and, and that's it. You're changing it. your career. I've done it. I've done it. It was in a in a local village. Yeah. You know, I've played as cat and a bumblebee and a, and a, a nun, and I got pregnant halfway through. But there you go. Sounds like one of your yeah. Christmas videos. Yeah. I think my purpose is to be chilling out on the beach with a whiskey sandwich. Yeah. I think you're right. Whiskey sandwich oh, wow. is a cocktail to go to, to be fair. Yeah, solid. Like a, yeah, solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I think, I think actually Dan eloquently uh, uh, shared my purpose really eloquently earlier on when he said <laughs> jetting off Just around the world yeah. or cruising. Yeah. But I think, yeah. that, I think that the most important thing there is obviously everyone's got different purposes, which you touched on. And, yeah. and you, it was a really good point that you made of it's, Go, this per, the word purpose has yeah. kind of been bastardized really you yeah. Know, yeah, yeah definitely has and now everyone's in the mindset of especially the younger generation of they need to be earning six figures a year and they need to be doing this 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 and this yeah. you need to be ceo by the age of 27 and yeah. stuff like that that's it's not always achievable so yeah. no. and then you are falling into a negative trap of that so it is really important but then to spin it back to the engagement side mm. of things you know how is a manager going to know that unless you're talking to them about that so yeah, true. And so my purpose in life, you know, I know my purpose. I know I'm, well, I don't know it because it might change in five years' time. Yeah. But if I'm not talking to Michelle about that, then I'm going to become disengaged as well. I'm going to fall into that trap of becoming actively disengaged mm-hmm. because Michelle isn't helping me meet my purpose. So in that she could end up becoming a blocker because my purpose is I, I'm here to make sure she can jet around the world, mm-hmm. but she might not let me achieve that. So therefore, she's becoming a blocker because I'm not talking to her about that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the link back. Yeah, because if you, there. there's a, on the workshop that we do, that, that half day workshop that we run once a month, one of the slides is a definition of engagement. It talks about, you know, somebody being really engaged is they're really committed to the goals and values of the organisation. Yet actually, when you look at most, a lot of businesses haven't got those clear, mm. people, they're not sharing them. So how can you be committed to the goals and values of the organisation if you don't even know what they are? Yeah. And I think mm. that's the key. Mm. And it's probably our purpose is maybe with a little P because mm. it's that like when I come into work every day, I need to know that what I'm doing is making a difference somewhere that mm. I'm actually contributing to something bigger than just this thing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, you know, your utopia is individuals getting their version of success, which is maybe about fulfilling what they want to do in life 
life and then mm. you know what if they have got a career what they're wanting to do so there's an element of fulfilling that for people and that sense of well-being so they feel happy and you know comfortable with, with where they are but then there's also the business version of success which is you know people you know maximizing the best and getting the very best out of people as well yeah. and what you want is that kind of perfect storm of everybody feeling really fulfilled and comfortable and committed in their roles and and the business getting the best out of people that work for them is that possible everybody yeah. so so do you the reason i ask is do you, do you get certain people that are naturally natural inclination to be disengaged and mood hoovers we call yeah, them yeah, yeah. mood hoovers you put it better yeah. than me but yeah <laughs> Uh, and if so do you agree that you do get those people i think there are i my view is most people in the world don't go into work to be miserable gits mm. i think most people go in to try to do the best they can and to do the best job they can i'm not saying every single person i think there are some people who are just that way inclined mm. you don't want them in your business you okay. don't want people like that in your business so what because do you do? they're toxic. If, if you end up with people in your business that... You help them to identify <laughs> why they're not happy there. Because what's really interesting, isn't it, is when you... Um, I, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I ran a team building event and it was for a, a big law firm and they had about 30 associates working in this law firm. <laughs> and I walked into the room with a colleague to, to run this full day. And as soon as I walked in, I could see her. She looked like a bulldog chewing a wasp. You know, she did not <laughs> want to be there. Everything in her being was like, you know, really, it was like, oh, we'll call her Mary. And, um, she was a nightmare. She completely tried to disrupt the day. She was, and what was really interesting, going back to what you were saying, is she was picking off people who were in that satisfied middle ground bit because the engaged people didn't want to play. They mm. were like, you know, when they saw Mary coming over, they were like, yeah, mm. I don't want to talk to Mary because she's miserable. Mm. But, so what she was doing was picking off those because they don't want to be there on their own. Mm. That's the problem with people like that is they just don't want to, it's a lonely place being a mood hoover and being disengaged. So they try to pull people to the dark side, if yeah. you like. So, but when I spoke to the MD at lunchtime and said, you know, what are you doing with Mary? You know, mm. what's, has she been with you for a long time? He said, oh no, she's only been with us about a year. I was like, well, why are you putting up with that behaviour? And he went, well, she's really good at what she does. Mm. But I, have you any idea the damage that she's doing to your other people? Mm. And he just didn't see it. So how much time do you spend working on Mary to get Mary to, come across the spectrum. That's a dangerous thing, that, isn't it? Yeah, you end up spending <laughs> yeah. loads of time with the mood hoovers, yeah. don't you? If you're not careful. You spend, and then what happens from that is, you know, you've got your actively engaged people, who, who we call them mood groovers, complete opposite <laughs> to a mood hoover, because um, they're not getting the time. You know, they're not, you know, you're spending most of your time on Mary who's a mood hoover. What happens to the mood groovers? They're, they're working their ass off. They're hitting their numbers, hitting the targets, mm. you know, doing everything, but they're not getting any recognition or time yeah. with you because you're, focusing all your time on a mood hoover mm. they're going to slowly go down they're going to end up in that middle ground and before you know it they're probably looking for other jobs they, they leave because they get a better offer before you know it that's costing the business 12 to 18 month salary of that person as well so you, you're in a massive deficit there mm. or they're going to go even further and they're going to go to actively disengaged they're going to become a mood hoover as well so yeah, yeah. and then there's more people there because creating that herd mentality again so it's, it's really it's really dangerous i think we often see it as well we go into a company well a you see if we do a survey because it always comes out in the survey one of the areas that we explore is you know are, are people who are performing well being recognized and are people who are underperforming um being managed and if they're not being managed it comes out in the survey and it's the proper it's that thing that proper cheeses everybody off like why am i working off my socks when that person over there mary mm. is getting away with swinging the lead and not pulling away so not managing it is a big problem mm. but i also think as well managers are really frightened to have honest conversations with people now it's almost like everybody's like oh you know you can't say that and you mustn't say that well just be honest with people and and let them know actually that's not okay mm. that's not acceptable to behave like that it's not what we uh, want in our company and so this is what we expect and if you can't do that then you need to find somewhere that's going to make you happy mm. but it, i don't think it's here mm. so it's sometimes having those really honest conversations i think people are just frightened to have um, but I also think the other thing you have to do is make it clear what you do expect from people, because I think that's the other issue is people don't. So we we work with we've got a core set of values in our business. They're absolutely intrinsic with everything we do. We recruit against them. We make sure that when people join us. So Dan, we gave him a really hard time about, you know, making sure he's aligned to our values, because that is really important to me that people align to our company values. Um, but then it gives you a tool as well to say, you know, like, this is really important to us and you're not doing that. 
So actually mm. you need to sort your stuff out <laughs> and what help do you need to get there or or actually is this the right place for you? Is, is there not a risk with that approach that you uh, you end up recruiting like-minded, same type of people? No. No. I, well, I, personally, I don't think so. I think the va- values is quite different. So if, I don't know, Dan, you might agree with this or not, but I think everybody in our team is completely different. They're all very different people, but they've all got, a core set of aligned values that yeah. are, I think, which is why we work so well together. Yeah, but I you're agree. all really. Di- I don't think any of you were alike at all. No, so we um we use a, a profiling tool called Disc, um, and we, all of us have done that. So we, we do it part of the uh, well, uh, we did it as part of the interview process as well. So, and actually, if you look at it, all the results from the eleven people that work mm. for pro development, they're all very very different. Mm. We've all got the same values, but you know, whereas I'm. I, I sit underneath the, the, the dominance of the disc. You know, I'm very much straight to the point. I, I, I want to see the end product straight away. I don't want to beat around the bush. But if we go to Michelle, Whoa. completely different. She, super excitable. Yeah, super excitable. It's, you know, it's all over the, all, all singing and dancing. All over the place. Yeah, so it's all right, you can say it. You can say it. Hence why she wanted a career in acting. That's, that's what she'd be great at. It. Yes. Um, but yeah, so me and Michelle are completely different. Like completely different. Is that like insights disc? Yes. Yeah, similar, similar, similar type of thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's just about people. We're, we're all different. But I also think as well, there's something about. Because I think you're right, there is always a danger of people. And I, we see it in companies where people are recruiting in the mould and yeah. it's the mould of probably the leadership team. And I think as well, it's when they're not being really clear about what it is they need in the roles as well. Mm. And also really understanding what are the strengths and the skills that we need in this role as well, mm. rather than just create, you know, recruiting another, like. another version of somebody who's like yeah. yourself. So in your last sort of 13, 14 years working with businesses, what whether you can name the business or not, but what's... You could describe them. What's the best business that you've worked with in terms of an ability question. to engage colleagues and get people? I'm interested in this answer. Yeah. yeah. Let oh me, my God, I should come so sit around many. that side of the table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, look, I feel like you're all over. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't think I could name any one because there's quite a few. There's some mm. that are still on that journey, I think. You know, we meet, we meet companies uh, along, you know, the last 12 years and they're all at different stages mm. and some are... There's some that are probably never engaged with us because they, they just probably don't get it. You know, you meet people who's like, oh, well, we're all right. We're doing all right. And you think, all right, okay. They'll never, mm. they'll never kind of go on that journey. But they're all at different places. But I think it, for me, the ones that I see doing really well are the ones that just genuinely care about the people. You can see it. And we won't work with a client unless we can see there's a genuine care. They might not always know how to get everything right, but they genuinely care about the people. They've got really clear vision and values that everybody's kind of completely on board with. They all understand them. They share it regularly. They don't just like do a, I remember years ago meeting a client who said, you know, well, we everybody in our company knows our vision. We did the survey. Nobody knew it. And well, I was like, what have you done? Oh, well, we did a PowerPoint presentation 18 mm-hmm months ago and they'd never talked about it since so the ones that are doing really well are constantly referring back to it connecting people to it taking opportunities to bring the teams together i see loads of companies who never do anything with the whole company they never get everybody together was oh it's too expensive it mm-hmm. you know we can't do that well why not you know mm-hmm. that's that that day that you spend with that team massively impacts on how they perform and how you know how they connect with the business as well so they've got good they've got great managers they're developing in the managers they recognize that you know it's a skill set you know we work with accountants and lawyers who spend you know fortune really getting people qualified but yet do nothing for managers and leaders so they you know the ones that are doing really well are really investing in people but really investing in the rest of the team as well you know they they're having really good one-to-ones regularly that's another big thing we see lots of companies just never do one-to-ones mm. they're not doing proper like reviews i think uh we were just chatting to one of your guys earlier and she was saying you have um i can't remember what the word that she uses vip yeah Yeah. so that idea of actually really spending time to understand what is somebody's career what do they want to do how are you helping them what how are they helping themselves what's the manager doing to support them and um so having those talent and succession plans in place and then letting people know how you're supporting them on that as well um so yeah i think i mean lots of things that people do that are, are really great but we've got we've got some top-notch clients who are, yeah, are doing that year on year and when you look back it's really interesting there's i was chatting yesterday to this client that we've been working with for over 10 years now and when i first went to meet them they've spoken quite openly about 
it was just horrendous. Mm. They just had this business. It had grown arms and legs. The, there were people falling out. They had two teams that wouldn't speak to each other. It was, you walked in, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. It was just dreadful. And they were like, oh, we've had enough. You know, what have we, what have we done? How has mm. this happened? You know, you fast forward a few years, they're just this massive buzz of energy. It's a bit like when you walk in here, mm. you just get this sense of a real buzz of energy. Mm. Everybody's really kind of... Um, clearly enjoying what they're doing and working together. And when you look back at every plan that they did every year, there's nothing like really like out there on it. They've just every year, they've just focused on a bit of, right, this is what we're going to focus on this year. This is what we're going to do. We're going to get these one-to-ones in and then we're going to really get our talent and succession plans in place. And now we're going to really start exploring people's careers and how we can support them with that. So every year they've just Mm. focused a bit on something else. And I think that's the, for me, that's the, um, best way to do it is don't try and just do huge things mm. just keep chipping do the away basics, doing well. keep checking how are those things work you know are they working check again make another plan check again and just just keep chipping away at it until you get to a great place there you go Bax there you go. need to do Sounds like a plan. It does. Can you write that down? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 can, you, can you imagine a world though where someone does like an employee engagement survey and then they don't they find out it's quite a negative survey and they don't do anything about it? Then that's that's kind of what we're trying to stay away from into. So yeah, those sort of businesses right. where we're trying to you can get a feel if they're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah and there's no point in investing in something like that if it's just a tick box exercise. So mm. people will leave. You know, you get asked, yeah, yeah. you know, what's the the, the biggest no, but let's say what's, what's important to you is someone comes back and say, oh, I don't like Friday fruit bowl, mm. but you carry on giving them fruit bowl anyway. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They're going to feel undervalued yeah. and they're going to go. Or, or guessing, which is the other thing yeah. that I think a lot of companies that we come across will guess what they think. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's do this. This will be really great. We'll mm. do this thing on a Friday. Mm. That'll be great. And then actually what you find out is that, you know, the fact they've all got broken chairs is the problem. And so they're <laughs> mm. just cheesed off thinking, oh, great. Yeah. Bringing pizzas on a Friday. But actually we've got some big stuff going on here mm. that you're not sorting it just actually has the reverse effect yeah. they just think you know i mean we we joke about the fruit basket because we did have one survey <laughs> that was had so many comments about this fruit basket you were like what what that they didn't like it. yeah, didn't like yeah. because actually the the and and it's so sad because the owners had thought oh that'd be a really nice thing to do we'll yeah. bring a lovely fruit basket in on a friday <laughs> everybody will love that there were so many comments about it because actually they didn't care there was some big stuff that won't get sorted. Right. So, what you know, don't give us a fruit basket like and think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly think that, that that's going to yeah. sort it out. We need other stuff sorting mm. out. So, yeah, it can actually end up you know, having the reverse effect, yeah. which so, is a real shame because you could see people were genuinely trying to do it for the right reasons. But, you know, you need to, it's about your people. You know, we all have businesses. Yeah. We wouldn't have them without people. So we need to kind of take them on that journey with us and understand what is it that they're looking for. Do you, is it is it an easy sell to SMEs in terms of what what you guys offer in terms of consultancy? I, mean, I, wouldn't, no, I wouldn't say, say it's it easy. easy. <laughs> no, I don't think it's easy. I think it's I, I don't know how would and it's, I think if you I don't know sometimes it is sometimes it's not. I think you come across an individual that doesn't un, not even understand doesn't agree with engagement mm. and. You know, there, there is, it's a real old school way of thinking. Like, you know, people come to work and they'll do it and go home. Mm. You know, get a paycheck, yeah, yeah. paycheck. They're going to do it. It don't matter if they're happy or not. They're going to turn up and do it. Um, but I think it's it's, and that's what it's, makes it quite a difficult thing because there's yeah. not a lot of people that are open minded enough mm. to go. What's the benefits of it? If I had an employ a really engaged employment team, like a team, what's the benefits of that? And we can show them that. Mm. We can educate them on that. But then it's having that sort of brave, well, kind of like. What's the word? Well, we often say we have to. If you're going to do a survey, you have to put your big boy pants or your big mm. girl pants on because the, the honesty that comes with it is mm. it's, it can be quite brutal. Yeah, so, yeah. If, that, it don't, if it doesn't make your bottom clench a bit yeah. when you're reading the results, then you've not done it right. I think people are fearful of it. I think. Yeah. I think that's probably the word. People are, are fearful and naive about it of what, the, how it can have an impact, but also what's happening in their business mm. without them knowing. That could be quite scary to them, I think. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, Actually, I think there's yeah. some people that just don't want to hear it. And I just think, well, there's no point in doing a survey. Mm. You know, if you don't want to hear it, yeah. it's such an opportunity to give people that voice. Mm. But you kind of need to be prepared for that. And we do a lot of work with people leading up to before we even think about doing a survey because it's definitely not for everybody. Mm. And there are definitely some people where I've said, I just don't think you're ready for it. Mm. Um, it's pointless doing <laughs> it if you're not ready for it because, you know, you, otherwise you're not going to do anything with it. Not and ready then 
in the sense of gonna, they're, not, they're not ready to receive that feedback yet. Yeah, they're not ready to hear it or they're not open to it or, and you know, we, we've said, you know, we, there are some people that we just never, will never work with mm-hmm. and that's fine. You know, we know we're not trying to, mm. we're not trying to run the world, are we? We're no. just trying to just I maybe think outrun the Humber. You can flip <laughs> it up. And then on the other, other side of that though, you've got some fantastic businesses out there, whether that's, it, it is in the, we work in the SME space. There's some fantastic businesses there that, one is scared of because finding finding people now recruitment is hard. Mm. You know, it's really difficult. So and they've recognised that it's not easy to be able to to replace a, a really talented individual. So they're, they're chucking everything they've got at and making their team members happy because they want to keep them. Mm. And that's you know, there's some awesome businesses out there mm. doing that. And there's they're all people focused and you know that's really kind that's of refreshing. Yeah, we went, we're there to, to help loads <laughs> people. So pick your clients well. Yeah, they're, yeah. We're, we're really yeah. picky. We're not really picky, yeah. but they have to yeah, meet our criteria. Don't definitely. They? They to, well, so. it's like our values. So in the same way that we, I said, you know, we recruit to our values. One of our values is having fun. Yeah. And so we share that with potential clients because I say, yeah, if you don't want to have fun, we are not the people to work yeah. with. Yeah. Because we only want to have fun. And actually, when you're learning and developing, that is the best time to have fun. Yeah. So yeah, that that means that sometimes we all choose not to work with people, mm. or they might choose not to work with us. But great, yeah. because it's never a happy. Yeah, it's never a happy ending is it when it's you're working with somebody that that yeah, you don't have sure. a shared value set that's a so. great value by the way mm. just we having fun so. yeah right, 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 right. Right. you do no that's where it says out then no no that's a good that's a good value actually yeah have fun because you're right like the, the the success the success of this journey that you take them on is reliant on how much they're willing to get on board isn't it so if you can detect early on that they're not really interested, it's a nice to have whatever, then really, what's the point in you even working with them in the first yeah. place? And if you can't have fun, why are you doing it? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? right. yeah. And I think we often tell on the workshops, don't we? I can always tell. We invite, we always say to anybody we meet or people that when we're out networking or people who might meet a company and say, oh, get yourself on Michelle's workshop. Mm. I can always tell by the end of that workshop if, they, if they're people that we want to work with or not. Yeah. And, and that's great because it gives them a chance. It might be they decide we're not for them that's not a problem mm-hmm. or it might be we think oh yeah then they're just not getting it and that's mm-hmm. fine you know we, we, that's not we're, we're not going to change everybody but we want to just help the ones that do want to make a difference and yeah good right our, our podcast is called tomorrow's workplace today so i've asked you about looking back over the last 13 14 years if i if i asked you to cash your mind forward 13 Ooh. 14 years what <laughs> what's going to change in terms of engagement and in terms of the next generation of the workforce do you think it's almost hard sometimes i think to get your head around isn't it we were we were chatting about this the other day that you know potentially dan's coming to be a future director that that's potentially going to be in the next sort of seven years mm. and i actually have said to him i think the business will look completely different mm. in seven years time um obviously ai is going to have a massive impact on the way we work i think in i think potentially it could be really good so i think it could be about people finding getting to do really valuable work you know mm. a lot of the things that ai can do i think will take away some of the drudgery from a lot of jobs um I went to a really great session uh, at Hull College recently. A woman was speaking about AI and she was looking at all the jobs that are going to change. You know, there's some jobs that, that, well, you know, that currently now will be, will be completely replaced mm. by AI. Mm. But there are some jobs that we don't even know yet what they're going to be because mm. there's just going to be a whole set of new jobs around stuff that we can't even get our heads around. I mean, certainly around AI and technology. Um, but actually, one of the interesting things that was the sort of education and development as an area that would be a growing area from a people point of view, because I think people are always still going to need that people development, the growth, the support around that. But I think AI will be able to support some of that. Mm, yeah. But it's it's interesting. Years and years ago, it was like, oh, e-learning. E-learning is going to completely change <laughs> the way that people learn and develop. And it really hasn't. Yeah. It's become an additional thing that we can kind of dip in and out of, but it hasn't massively fundamentally changed the way that people learn and develop. Mm. It's just given us some extra tools to work with. And I think it'll be the same with AI. Do you think we might get rid of managers? Uh, Did we talk yeah. about this one? Replacing a grenade in there, yeah. yeah. It's like self-governance or something like Oh my god, you honestly. What? <laughs> you live in the clouds. You do. <laughs> Someone's got to, you know what I mean? I think we were talking about like um in a previous podcast about like um gig, like the gig economy and sort of like uh I can't really remember what it was now. But basically like you rate you rate the people that you work with or whatever. 
So the okay. rating then becomes almost like the management system. Self governance. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll get that. So kind of. <laughs> yeah. you, still, you still can't get rid of me. Get your head up there with the clothes. Is that, is that, uh, are you trying to get rid of me? Is that, you, is that, your, no, is that, is that your purpose? Is, it, is that trying to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think there's something about. We, we're seeing it a little bit. We, we've just started introducing in the last 12 months uh, something called the Leadership Behaviors Framework. And it's not just about leaders, because we think traditionally we think about leaders, don't we, of people who are managing people. Yeah. So our concept that we're working with is that everybody is a leader, mm. doesn't matter what you do. Mm. And I, I think there's something really quite special. If you can create that culture in your business where everybody sees themselves as a leader. I always love that really famous story of Tilly Smith, the 10-year-old girl who saved hundreds of lives on a beach in Phuket because she actually, to me, demonstrated amazing leadership. And she was 10 years old. She she got everybody off that beach. She'd learned about tsunamis in geography. Mm. She saw the water recede. She got everybody off that beach. She was 10 years old. Mm. That is leadership to me. And I think yeah. that's what we need more of is people stepping up and being more accountable and taking ownership for things mm. and being brave and um, being more vulnerable. All those things that we're talking more about. And so yeah, a lot yeah. of this leadership framework we're implementing for a lot of businesses is this concept of leading self you know there's a whole set of behaviors around what does it look like to lead self then there's a whole set of behaviors around leading others and then leading the organization so but actually how amazing would it be if you had a whole company of people who were all leading themselves Mm -hmm. it makes the leading others role different then Mm -hmm. because you're not having to do a lot of the things we're probably doing now Mm -hmm. so i think the role of the leader could change in the future Mm -hmm. but hopefully for the better Uh, i think that's a great i think that's a great point yeah. yeah, and a good place to end. Yeah. A very good place to end. <laughs> yeah. Michelle, Dan, thank you for joining oh, us. Thank you. For thank you. It's, it's been, been great. It's yeah, been cheers. great to talk to you. Really good to speak to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank it's you. Been engaging. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a time to end it. I think. Yeah. <laughs>